Hi friends, my name is Pastor Alan, and you are listening to the CGC Podcast, where your pastors get together and explore different topics to help us think through and to live out our Christian lives. If you are interested in our podcast, you should visit our website at cgcpodcast.com and subscribe to be one of the first to know when a fresh new podcast has come out. You can also connect with us or ask questions by sending us an email at cgcpodcast1 at gmail.com. In our sixth episode of Season 2, Pastor Kevin and I talk about missional living, and we discuss topics such as what we hope this will look like for our church in the future, and how we can be more missional in our community and in our lives. Good morning. You got a little choppy there at the very beginning, but uh, very well, thanks. That's good to hear. Yeah, it's a pretty dull day today. Well, probably from now, when people get it, it's going to be a couple weeks from this, but uh, Canada Day is coming up here. Um, so kind of looking forward to that. Do you guys have plans for Canada Day? No, I don't, actually. Well, I'm I'm going to be visiting a couple of people on Sunday, it looks like. But uh, gotcha. other than that, I'm not planning on going anywhere. No fireworks. There's always somebody in our neighborhood who has fireworks. <laughs> and I, I, don't know is. I don't know if it's just the community, the older white community I'm in, and, and the young rebellious people that are around, but literally uh, are, you know, a block away, they'll have this illegal fireworks going on mm-hmm. yeah we have the same issue in our neighborhoods our neighborhood is quite multicultural but uh, we have two things going for us here number one is uh, we have a lot of young people in this area mm-hmm. and then number two is that we have uh, like a fireworks distributor probably like a couple blocks from where we live so if there's ever a time to celebrate with fireworks somebody is shooting off fireworks <laughs> like it's you can guarantee it for sure yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, so today, um, like as you know, we're going to be talking about missional living, and I really wanted to explore this topic because this is our vision statement for how we see our church, what we want to look like going forward, and I really wanted to get your thoughts on this idea of missional living because you yourself have been a missionary. And so I I wanted to start off with just kind of talking about, you know, what was your calling to the mission field like? How'd your family do in the mission field? What was that whole experience of being a missionary on the field like for you? Well, in terms of a call... We both had this inborn desire to do that uh, individually before we met each other. And it was approved or recognized by the church and demonstrated within the church ministries. And that's how we were sent out. But I guess for Shauna, she had come to a crisis in her faith, even though she was a Christian, and uh, recommitted her uh, life to serving God. And I had just come to faith in Christ. And was naturally very exuberant and on talking about things. So missional living for us was just an aspect of, of who we are and that it was we were going to serve the kingdom of God in whatever situation he called us, but very aspirationally in terms of going overseas. So uh, it was just, it, for me, it started really with being able to just talk about Jesus anywhere. I remember talking about him in, in the bank line, line up in Cambridge or, or doing whatever. It just kind of, bubbled out yeah so i think that there's been this discussion of a missional mindset so would you say that that encompasses what that means is that we just want to share our faith wherever we can we want to have it on our minds that uh, if if our if our faith is true and it, it's something that that continually like lifts us up and builds us up it should kind of a, almost explode or ooze out of us so that people around us uh, will hear about it because it's just part of who we are does that kind of summarize this idea of the missional mindset I think very much so that is the first level and the biggest level for us is that it, if our relationship with Christ is vibrant, then it's going to naturally 
as you say, ooze out of our life. I do think that there is an underlying secondary concern, though, and that is we are very comfortable in our everyday life. And I don't know if we really know it until we try living in another culture, when you have to adapt to that culture, as we did in South America. But I think there's a second part in that, in just looking at your day, asking the Lord to lead you, to make you aware of the situations around you, and intentionally changing things up so that you come in contact with people because we could blithely go throughout our day you know having stuff delivered to our house um, you never have to go to a grocery store anymore so there's this natural joy but i think also saying that well i could go uh, and just get things delivered to the door but you know what it's going to be a little bit more i'm going to get in the car i have to wear this silly mask but i get to talk to hopefully a couple people in the grocery store yeah, so I think that's a that's an interesting point um, about like just having that kind of half in our lives and that we're very comfortable. I also think that like in terms of our friendships, at least for me, when I visualize my friendships with people, I have a very set idea of what those friendships are going to look like and the boundaries or maybe the boxes that I'm going to keep them in and and where I don't want them to bleed into. And I often find that's actually a huge barrier because I've already set my mind that this is going to be this kind of friendship and we're not going to talk about these other things. And so there's a barrier of time and, yeah. and energy, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I think this ties into our next question then. And so our vision at the Chinese Gospel Church is that we want to see ourselves as a missional community seizing every opportunity to share the gospel. And you talked a little bit about this idea of what you envisioned that practically. Can you flesh out even a little bit more for us? What do you envision this idea of missional community look like for our congregation? Okay, well, uh, I'll get there in just a second. How about I just say, you know, when I was at uh, Costa Rica for language school for a year. Shauna took the track of being in class and having uh, a very formal process presented to her throughout the day. I would go every couple days and have a a class, but most of my language learning was what's called barefoot. So I would uh, have to have a short dialogue written out and it had to be, hi, my name is Kevin. I'm from Canada, I am learning Spanish. That's all I could say for the first couple weeks. Hmm. And I had a route that I would deliberately walk down and meet people every day. And Mm -hmm. so they got to know me and it was, they would look at me and smile and and giggle when they first saw me because they know I can't interact at all. But here's an aspect of intentionality is just saying, well, how much of my day can I actually tune a little bit so that I engage people. Now, I'm not saying that you have to be their best friends or that you're going to share the gospel and all its fullness in your testimony um, the first time you meet. You're, you're just trying to engage people and find spiritual connections. I think part of the reality is we think that, well, people are not needing Christ or there, there's no spirituality. But with the reality of the pandemic, I think we know that everyone is in serious spiritual, emotional upheaval. Mm -hmm. And so any time we can have a nice or an edifying conversation with anybody, you know, we don't even have to get to the point, Jesus died for your sins, but we start that conversation and then you go back like that barefoot. Eventually you get to the point where you can share more and more. But again, I'm not talking where you have to have five unsaved people on your list and and here's what you're going to do. Some people may find that very effective, but it's just being very intentional about your day. I I think as a church, I think we need to understand that 
We are, for better or worse, a regional church. We mm -hmm. draw people from all over Toronto, and there's some wonderful things about that. We have a closeness about our fellowship and connectedness, but it does make it harder to be encouraged to live missionally. Mm -hmm. So I think one of the things we have to get a hold of is that we need to recognize who is in our immediate geographic area that goes to the church. Mm -hmm. and and connect with them a little bit more and say, okay, uh, how can I pray for you? If I meet somebody who's, you know, interested in, in coming over and having a coffee and just starting to build a relationship, can we come to your house? Because you've got the covered garage and we can stay outside and, and have our masks off. And, and so I see being missional as starting with the church downtown and the one big family, but saying there are units almost like little cell churches spread out within the GTA. And to use those in a maximum situation, say, how can we encourage each other being missional? Do you see that as our thinking of why we have these small groups that have been kind of planted across Toronto, that they should be used like that, that they should kind of be these touch points for people who might be regionally outside of where we are currently are, but uh, will allow some kind of connection to our church? Well, small group, the, the philosophy of ministry behind it is generally different. But for me, I would much prefer us to move toward a more missional concept than it simply being, I have a need to socialize or it's good fellowship. Mm -hmm. So going back to this idea then of what does this missionality look like practically it just seems like it's more or less about i mean there's some people like you said who might do really well with just saying there are five people on my list these are the five people i'm going to focus on but it's more about just keeping in mind and always just having our feelers out just opening up with our faith a little bit about who we are uh, we don't have to preach a robust gospel but really just kind of planting the seeds and just kind of just having conversations with people as a christian or talking to people as a christian uh, just to kind of soften the ground a little bit. Is that kind of the idea here that you have uh, what it should look practically? For sure, for sure. Now, I was thinking about uh, something along this line this morning because we're going to be preaching from the first sermon in Acts. And I'm wondering if we don't have a functional dysfunctionality. <laughs> I don't know if there is a thing. No, I, know, I understand. I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> Several years ago, a couple decades ago, we had this quite whole question about the Lordship of Christ, that he can be our Savior and not our Lord. And uh, thanks to John MacArthur and a few others, they stood up. And, you know, we understand as evangelicals, when we are born again, Jesus is Savior and Lord. And yet when it comes to our everyday life, we still seem to be a little antinomian in that the gospel doesn't always apply to that part of our life. I don't know why. And so very specifically in Acts 1-3, it says that the church grew, um, but it preached Christ and his kingdom. So we can talk about Christ. That's wonderful. But if we talk about Christ in the context of risen Savior and Lord, mm -hmm. Somehow that lordship doesn't seep down into all of the aspects of life. And, you know, whether we watch things on TV or what we do with our spare time, uh, you know, and we're all guilty of not being as, uh, let's say, uh, desiring after holiness as much as we could. But when we have this slight dysfunctionality of Christ's lordship in our own life, then I think that is manifest in what we do or don't talk about 
or how we're even able to use every opportunity, seizing every opportunity to share the gospel. So how do you see that with the dysfunctional part? Well, the so functional dysfunctionality. So it seems to be a part of who we are, perhaps, that we have this dysfunction that Christ is Lord, we say, but it's he's not necessarily truly Lord in our life. We don't rejoice in that lordship. In a part of the early church is that they were under a tyrant. They were under a military dictatorship. And so the church grew as they spoke of Christ and his lordship. So no matter what the situation is that was going around them, they spoke of Christ in terms of his lordship. And I, you know, I think of ourselves, too, and all of the challenges we have as a culture uh, and all of the opinions, the pressure on the on the church, on individuals to not be black and white on issue, to be inclusive, mm-hmm. and yet were to functionally live as Christ is Lord of every aspect of our life. And if we have joy in that, then it will naturally exude and we won't be worried about what the culture says. But don't you think that's more of an outcome of how we think of or how we adapt to new situations? We often don't go back to the source and think about how it applies to that. We just kind of adopt a different change in our life or make adjustments to kind of look like the median. It's, it's very rare that people would just go back and kind of readdress or rethink about like specific questions, right? Like, so for instance, like I've been thinking about this question about like the question of the um, like kind of like dealing with people who are in different sinful situations. So for instance, if your friend is in a dating somebody who he shouldn't be dating, we just kind of accept the fact that that person is just living the way they're not supposed to. And we just talk to them the same way. Nothing really has changed. It's because we, do, we don't really go back and we ask, you know, as a Christian, how should we think about the situation? And And I think that it doesn't necessarily have to change our behavior, but we often don't think about our starting point and how it brings us back to how we should lead in our behavior. Does that make sense? It does. So there is an understanding of what the Word of God says, and you're saying moving yourself back to that understanding. Um, mm-hmm. But how do we move ourselves? The only way we move ourselves is if we find our greater joy in Christ than in the world around us. Mm-hmm. That's a, that a natural magnetic attraction, and that joy then changes the way we perceive things and the way we obey and do things. And, and I think if we are rejoicing in Christ's lordship in his in our relationship, then it's naturally going to be working itself out as the spirit connects with us and teaches us. There's going to be, I think, that movement that you, you t- you're talking about. But we're going to be more willing and emboldened to actually say things. Yeah, so I think the second issue might be is that we actually don't maybe not think of our lives as something that's fully connected to the gospel. Like we might think of that we have all of these different relationships that we have, but they don't all find their connection to the gospel. And I find that that actually to me is the I would maybe say the more truer part. Like I find myself sometimes that I'm wondering, like some of the relationships that I have, you know, is it really grounded around my thinking of the gospel first? And then I it does that dictate how these relationships go, or am I thinking of it backwards where you know, I really want this this relationship to be this way or to do this, but we're never going to talk about that. So it's not con- there's like a, a lack of connection to the gospel. Uh, do you think that that actually might be a bigger issue that we might actually face as, as a church? Uh, well, as a church as a whole, I'm not uh, just saying. Yeah, 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 as a church, of course, yeah. as a whole, as a whole, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, for sure. For example, when we went to uh, South America, y- you know that you're a fish out of water. Mm-hmm. You can't speak the language. You don't understand the cultural nuances and markers and signals that are there. You're not able to engage and understand. 
we are so fully immersed in our culture, we act on autopilot. Right. But you need to understand that if, if there should be no place that we go that we are not ambassadors for Christ. And an ambassador mm-hmm. is someone who represents the lordship and kingship of Christ. And that's not something you can take off. That's something that is part of our calling, our very new nature now. And and so it's not something we can just dismiss. But that means that every aspect of our life is under Christ's lordship. And we are ambassadors of that change and that lordship and and, and messiahship of his life, uh, his of him in our life. So it's something, again, that should be just part of who we are. When I was in Chile, I was very much aware that I was different than everything else around me. There was a different level of living. There was a recognition that I was a North American every time I opened my mouth. Yeah. Uh, and it is obviously, it works on your subconscious all mm-hmm. the time. Um, and we don't seem to be having that. If you're ever able to live out of the country for a little while and come back to Canada, you, you have a different perspective of how you are living in this world and in this culture. And yeah. it's a little easier to understand that you are an ambassador. Mm-hmm. So you talked about this idea of kind of being an autopilot. And when we are in a different culture, that's when we really start to maybe change the way we think about how we interact with the culture that we're in. <laughs> so in, in our current situation, I, I think that that means for us then that we need to get out of our autopilot about how we live in this culture and to rethink the way that we currently live in the culture and with the people around us. Would you say that that is probably our greatest challenge right now, or first major obstacle? It, it's a probably first greatest obstacle. It's it's a natural default setting, and you know what the book that we looked at at uh, making changes in your life. Mm-hmm. He talks about in one section that it is part of our necessity to make decisions and to do things uh, that are very common every day, and to do them without much thought. That's Mm -hmm. how we move throughout our day. When we, you know, eat three times a day and 90,000 times in our life, there just becomes a basic habit. So recognizing that as we live our lives in this culture under dozens, hundreds, if not thousands of, of habits that we have adapted to, and it's just looking at those thinking, well, okay, if I'm going to go to the grocery store or or am I going to get uh, my food in? Mm-hmm. I feel like there's a there's an opportunity here for a CE class about how to retrain your brain or how to reset your habits. Uh, I think there definitely is, seems like there's a CE class here that's uh, waiting to happen because I, I do think that that's a big one. And I feel like as we go through the day, like you can list like hundreds, if not thousands of different habits you may have, some things you may not even notice that you do per day. And then even going back to some of the major ones, but especially where it comes to interaction, and really rethinking about, you know, is this the best way in which we can reach those around us or really to be light in a dark world? And it's not just you. It's every other person in the world is mm-hmm. on a set pattern of automatic uh, decision making and habits. Right. So you go to shoppers to uh, to go get something at the last minute. And our thought is to get in and out of there as fast as possible. Everyone else's idea is to get out uh, as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. But. 
the reality is, is everyone who is in there is under the same COVID restrictions, under the same pressures emotionally. You know, how do we know who hasn't lost a family member or their marriage is, is distressed? So it's, it's going in um, with a different mindset for sure. Yeah. Um, I wonder when COVID ends, if there's an opportunity for us to reach out to our community, because I'm sure many of them feel lonely and isolated. And uh, maybe the first wave is maybe just maybe reaching out to the community around us, uh, letting them know that we exist. Yeah, letting them know that there is a place where they can come and find a Christian community, right? Because I, as, as I read more about this topic, that seems like an, an, op- an area of opportunity as well. For sure. And you know what? Again, there are some of us who are more natural evangelists, and we mm-hmm. want to kind of hammer home right away all of the important theological points and everything else. But yeah. it's just starting spiritual conversations that lead mm-hmm. to those. And um, there's a wonderful little book put out by the Lutheran Church called The Reluctant Witness. And it deals with this whole aspect that, you know, we have an understanding that we have to kind of dump our testimony and uh, seizing every opportunity is making sure that they know the consequence. I remember going door-to-door visitation with an old Dutchman once. Mm. Uh, in Fleetstra. Did I tell you about him once? I think so. I think so. But I'm yeah, sure other know, people he, have not heard this story. He, he would knock on the door and within 20 seconds he would be fixed on something that he could talk to you about. Like just beeline. But if the door started to close, you know, even in the first 20 seconds or so, he would tell you that uh, you're going to hell if you don't receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's not evangelism. Yeah. We yeah. tend to kind of think that that's what we have to do. But you know, places like The Reluctant uh, Witness uh, is a good good book to do, or to just look at one or two more. The uh, Art of Neighboring yeah. uh, is another good book. All we are is just just talking about, you know, Christ's lordship in our life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think that that's going to be a great... I was going to make that an episode next about how to be a good neighbor uh, or how to be a good missional neighbor. I think that'd be a good next podcast for us. So we'll definitely talk, tackle that one probably in the next couple of weeks. Mm, good. Uh, so let's move on to the next question, because I think that um, I, I really want to know from your standpoint about, like, let's just say that we start to become more like this missional community that we have in mind. What do you think what that's going to look like for us as a church? What, do you, what are we going to look like? What are we going to feel like when people come to a church? Like, what exactly does the end or kind of like a future product of this look like and feel like um, in terms of people coming into our church, our people? I don't know if you've given any thought to this question, but yeah. So like in the near future, if we start to appropriate to become more of a missional community, how is that going to change us both as an individual and as a church? As a church, I think we're going to be, you know, Albert's talked about this is at different points. We have to let people go, mm-hmm. release people because of being a downtown church and yet spread out. Uh, we're going to have lots of opportunity to speak to people, but the desire isn't necessarily to get them into downtown CGC. Mm-hmm. It's to get them into a good Bible-believing church in their community. Our desire is that they're saved, not necessarily that they're part of our church. Mm-hmm. So if we get that in our thoughts, that uh, they don't have to get to our church, the reality is, is then we just plug them in into a good cell group or a Bible study, and we work from that process there. But I think mm-hmm. as a people ourselves, we're going to find there is a spiritual spring in our step. Mm-hmm. As we see God starting to move mountains in people's hearts, 
we're going to find, I think, our fellowship is even deeper. Right now, There, I think our fellowship is in part at least defined by our being able to come together and socialize, mm-hmm. which is maybe part of the identity that, that we struggle with. But uh, if we find deeper, richer relationships with unsaved people and God is doing things, it's going to exude and we talk about what God is doing. And, and that just brings synergy to the whole church, I think. Yeah, as we start to be, I think, more of a, have the more missional mindset, I think number one is that I think our lives actually get more interesting. I don't know about you, but it's just like, I think that living day to day with without um, a ton of thought about the differences and changes that we need to make to become more missional, I think life sometimes can feel a little bit drab because we continue to do the same things over and over again. Whereas I found that with the missional mindset um, and developing a missional mindset and trying to seize every opportunity, I've just had a lot more interesting conversations. I've had just had more interesting talks with people and uh, really had really deep and good conversations, like not even just about like just about the gospel, but about things sometimes are peripheral or kind of connected to the gospel, but are kind of indirectly connected. So when we talk about good and bad, right and wrong, uh, these are all conversations that are worthwhile to have because they ultimately lead us someplace that uh, will lead us to the gospel as well. So I find that you live a much more, in my mind, interesting life uh, with the missional mindset. Uh, not that we should always be seeking thrills, but uh, I do think that it definitely adds some change into our life that is actually very important that we should have. But just in terms of on a more, yeah, if we think our life is kind of like too, um, maybe too gray, then we may need to get out of that and um, be doing that by adopting the missional mindset. Well, think of it this way. If God is moving all things towards its ultimate end in himself for his glory and our good. Mm-hmm. If he is truly sovereign over every aspect of life, in especially salvation, mm-hmm. every point of contact with people has been approved in God's providential will mm-hmm. and is useful for his glory. Right. So it's it's not even saying that, you know, there's this heavy burden of responsibility on me to it's just recognition that God is the one who is moving all of these things contingently together. So as I go out, if I meet somebody out there, it's because God has prompted my heart and their heart to leave the house at the same time and, and be there. And mm-hmm. then that conversation evolves from that. So it, it's a wonderful just dependency and joy looking for what a sovereign God is going to do in this broken world and saying, Mm -hmm. it's amazing that out of all of the time frames that this could have happened, today was the day. Yeah. Maybe one other thing is that as we talk about these um, like seeming weaknesses that people think that our church has, like in terms of just being very kind of introverted and extroverted, I find that the Mitchell community, if everyone is aiming that way, really transforms the entire body. Like everything is no longer just... Yeah, there's definitely this transformation of the entire body, not just in in singular areas, but in our entirety of worship. Uh, and, and when we, we sing together, when we preach, when people come into our church, there's a warmth that's felt because we just have this missional mindset. We want to get to know people, that we want to just, you know, really get to know them and, and kind of dig into their lives. I, I really think that not only does it uh, transform our day-to-day, but it transforms actually our church experience as well. Oh, Yeah. So there's a mindset is that we can talk about it in two senses. One is that there is an unconscious default. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that's what you're getting to is that right. as we engage with people, as someone comes in, we're, we're talking to them genuinely. We're showing love and affection. Uh, and yet there is at times this mindset where we have to kind of prepare ourselves or program ourselves to go out of our comfort zones to do something. But you're right. right. If we're uh, enjoying the blessings of God in, in these, it's naturally going to give us that ability to engage people and care for them. Yeah, and uh, it's going to show up. Like when people come to the church, there is definitely going to be a difference when they see a missional community, not just in the way they share the gospel, but the way they worship, the way they listen to preaching and absorb the preaching and take communion um, and pray. Like it it seems to affect every facet of life. And it's not like just in when we preach the gospel is there light, but in every area that we worship, there's going to be light for people to see. And I think that's really what, uh, not that we're not we don't have those elements, but I'm waiting to see a a, a greater um, view of all of this light coming together as a missional community and with our church family today. Oh, I agree with you. And I've also heard you say sometimes that you wish we were more effusive in the way we engage. And I think that's the difference is, you know what I mean by effusive? I'm I'm have to Google that one. It's a a word that's not in my vocabulary. (laughs) So more bubbly, more passionately um, just living. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think the reality is, again, it it comes down to passion and Christ's lordship in our life. Mm -hmm. If we're experiencing that, that's where it starts. The mindset is the outworking of that. It's not the first step. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's yeah. not putting on the helmet of mindset and then everything else will work out. If I am experiencing Christ on a daily basis and know uh, the intimacy of his sovereignty in all situations, then my mindset is naturally going to be set by that to recognize what God is doing around me. So, yeah, they're, they're definitely. Yeah. So I think that we can't put the cart before the horse. Uh, so there's another an analogy there. But. I think that like um, outside the mindset, the mindset is, like you said, I think secondary compared to the experience um, of salvation and the passion in which the Holy Spirit and our regeneration really has kind of imbued into us this heart and desire to wanting to love the Lord in every single facet of our lives. And I think it's the mindset just becomes a better way to just to structure all that passion. But that passion has to be there and it has to be spirit born. It can't be. You can't make it up. You can't pretend it. Like oh, you can't fake it. And you can't really control it because it completely consumes your mind. And no no amount of mindset is going to change or going to replace the passion that should be spirit-born. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's probably the problem we're, we're dealing with is people will say, well, I'm not afraid to talk to people. And we're not talking about physically changing your mindset because you can't do that. Right. But it does come from this other. So somehow we have to spur a passion and a love for Christ in our lives, and that will naturally work out. And and John Piper, he he's the one who's really um, been at the fore of this. As we are more on fire for Christ, God is more glorified, and He will use us. So maybe it's more that to tap into the passion that we have, um, and uh, not needing to feel like we have to be reserved all the time. Maybe that's the that's going to be the key to our uh, to our missional mindset, our missional community. I think so. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, we talked a little bit about what this missional community we hope is going to look like going into the future. We talked a little bit about what it means. 
Um, but I feel like there are some people when we talk about this idea of the gospel, they don't feel like it's relatable to people's lives. Um, what are your thoughts about uh, people who think that the gospel, because of the way that it's shared, is just kind of like these four points? Like, how do I even begin to make this relatable to people's lives? How do I engage somebody with the gospel? Um, how would you answer someone's question like that? Oh, I, I think that there's just a thousand points of contact. Um, the gospel changes everything in that uh, we become uh, new creatures in Christ. It, it brings us into a perspective of divine understanding and purposefulness in that we were created for a very specific purpose, that is to, to worship God. And people are unable to do that unless they're born again. But as they come to a knowledge of Christ, every aspect of their life changes so that it brings glory to God. So, again, just being out, knowing that everyone else in this world right now is struggling with COVID, is struggling mm -hmm. with shots. There are right there 10 points of contact that uh, you could talk about. Another little one yesterday, I, I drove... I drove through the drive-through to get uh, Carolyn after she finished work some French fries and some mm -hmm. and a, a shake at Wendy's, and uh, we just chatted for a minute with the lady who was at the window because we didn't get a, a chance to go into a lot of spiritual depth. But here was the rat fact: she had on a little Saint George's uh, flag on her cheek, so she was obviously rooting for England in the Euro Cup yesterday, which, by the way, they won. Yay. <laughs> but that was a point of contact. And Carolyn, having just gotten off of a long shift at Tim Hortons, um, we started talking and she said, well, I really want to encourage you and thank you for your work. I know how difficult it is. And she's you know, she got her Tim Hortons uniform on and we gave her a good tip. And it was just it changed her day. And so just recognizing that people are in desperate need of spiritual and emotional encouragement they don't understand that that's christ that the fulfillment of all their needs is christ but mm -hmm. that they need to be built up because they're struggling with things they may not even recognize and right. so every point of every day there's connections yeah i i think that uh, this question is often born out of maybe we just haven't thought enough about how exactly the gospel's changed our lives and what god is doing in our life because i think if we had spent more time thinking about it like this question would kind of tell you that the gospel actually affects every area and it's actually very relatable to people's lives, not just in the, the primary question of salvation, but then the, the, the joys in which we now have as Christians in being um, grounded on Christ is actually mm -hmm. a huge thing which the rest of the world has been desiring and wanting, right? Like they want something to put their lives on, they just don't know what that is. And that's where people start to put their lives on other things like work and other things like that. So I actually think that there's actually tons of points of contact in every area of people's lives. Even if you just talk about their job and the purpose of their life, you talk about this idea of how do you know how we should live and how we should be. Um, it could be just as mundane as, um, you know, like, you know, what are your plans going to the future or like, uh, you know, what are your how are your kids doing and, and just talking about child rearing. I actually think the gospel actually penetrates every area of our lives, and you can actually have a conversation in a gospel-centered way about any topic. I can't even think of a topic off the top of my head that doesn't have some kind of gospel discussion that's related to it. Yeah, exactly. And think think of it uh, in the sense that we are encouraged in the Word of God time and time again to edify one another. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, that's the reality of the body of Christ. But everybody, a natural physiological need is to be edified. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, but unfortunately, our default center as unsaved people is not to edify, it's to complain or to grumble. So it's yes. very easy to get into a situation and instead of talking positively about something or encouraging someone, uh, we kind of empathize with them in a kind of a grumbling way. But if we can speak positively into their life, like just Carolyn the other day saying, right. I thank you, really appreciate what you're doing. I know how tough this is. And here's a tip. Right, right. And so I think that even in, in times where we're communicating with people, it could just be expressing a loving character, which has been born out of the gospel, which Amen. is already an important point of contact, right? Because I think that we're starting to live in a world that's probably getting more cold and just these little touches of care and, and compassion, I think go a long way just to starting a conversation or maybe even just expressing the light uh, that has been that has transformed you. And I think that even these are important touch points to have as well. Amen. Think, yeah. think of road rage. <laughs> How many people are on the road with road rage? How many people are like that in their everyday life? Yeah, 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 yeah. Funny, funny point. Um, when I was when I was learning from a driving instructor, he actually warned me about my road rage. Uh, <laughs> so he's so it's it's really funny because he's actually very quiet, and so I don't quite know why he made that comment, but uh, <laughs> it's something that stuck with me all this time. That uh, he definitely didn't notice any of the other things, but one thing he did notice was my was my road rage. Which I, yeah. mean, I, which I mean goes to show you that when you when you when people meet you, like the most the things that you may not think are very important are things that actually stick out to people quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. Like especially if you just go meet somebody, like the most something that you don't even think about might be something that that draws somebody to you. It's like oh, that's a characteristic I just haven't seen somebody else. Like I, I that's something that makes people want to be around you, and then that opens up you know really great conversations. But back to the the way to engage and to communicate to people. I mean. If the gospel penetrates every area of our life, in every conversation we have, people are going to see a difference between what they believe and what we believe. Yep. And that it's automatically going to have a an effect on what this conversation is going to look like. So if, if we're only agreeable and we're not thinking about truth and we're not thinking about how we live, then sure, like the gospel will never penetrate any of the conversations or any of the relationships that we have. But if we are uniquely Christian and authentically Christian in the way that we live and we're always trying to think about how we live and the things that we do as, as they relate to Christ, then in all the conversations we have with non-Christians, it's not like we have to invent something and make something up. They're just there because that's who we are. Maybe moving to this, maybe this last question here, can you share some encouragement then for those who fear sharing the gospel? A, this is not up to you. Recognize that you are the passenger in God is in the driver's seat, and he is moving everything in his providential care every day towards its glory. And you're to just recognize the the things that are going on around you. So don't worry about the pressure um, that you may put upon yourself. I think, secondly, is just go back to basics. And if you're struggling at all, um, ask God to give you a new passion, a new understanding of of Christ in your salvation, because that that's got to be the start of everything, as we've talked about. If if we are experiencing Christ's lordship, it's going to be bubbling out of us. So those are the the two big things. Yeah, I, I think one thing I would also include, or maybe a couple other things I would include about sharing the gospel is, 
Um, I think sharing the gospel starts with some of the inner workings that, that are happening in ourself first. I think because I think that the better we understand our own salvation and our and are looking to adjust or looking to see the changes that we need to make and praying and acting on the changes that we need to make will firstly be the thing that necessitates some of these discussions because it, it's it's part of the transformational aspect that draws people to uh, this gospel. Like you said, this Dutch this Dutchman who was just preaching the gospel. I, I, personally speaking, I found the door to door not super effective in this day and age. Um, and, I, and I still strongly believe in a, a lot of relational building and, and then sharing the gospel through that method, because I think that what people want to see is not so much just your message, but they want to see what exactly, the, how does it affect you? What does it mean for us to believe in this gospel? And how, what basically what they're asking is, what does this light look like that's in you? And I think that if you start with that and then just be honest and authentic in your conversations with people, um, you don't need to fear about sharing the gospel because it just is authentically who you are and who what you talk about. And I think that this is a helpful way for us to to shed our fear because fear seems to come from, I need to invent a situation where this happens. I have to invent things that I actually believe or feel. Um, I have to create these situations, whereas you can just let them come naturally if that's who you are authentically. And then, you know, slowly just build up to just having conversations and there is going to be points in time we're going to be able to share the gospel and it's going to seem natural in the course of the conversation. Amen. All right. Well, that is our podcast today. I want to thank Pastor Kevin for joining us on this idea uh, or on this topic of missional living part one. And over the next couple of weeks, we'll be exploring uh, more of this topic. But thank you very much, Pastor Kevin, for joining us today. And I hope you have a great day. Thank you. Same to you. God bless. Thank you for listening to today's episode. 